or continuing in our sermon series that we uh, have been going through the last few weeks. And when Travis came up to me and asked me, uh, hey, on October 13th, can you preach? I went, what's it going to be on this week? Because if you were here the last time uh, for my sermon, I was preaching on adultery. And boy, was that a ball <laughs> to prepare for. Um, and this week he goes, oh, no, we're staying in the series. I went, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I was very worried that it was going to be something else. But uh, I'm happy with what we've got here. We, we got a really good lesson for you guys today. Um, we're going to be continuing through First Peter on uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I'd like to start just by reading that with you guys. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to put it up here on the slide uh, for anybody who doesn't have their Bible with them today. Um, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so what I'd like to do is start here by taking a little step backwards and uh, looking at what we've already talked about in um, our past lessons. And so um, if you guys were here last week, you remember that Travis said that the Bible was not written in uh, with chapter numbers and verses already put in there. That's something that we put in after to help us kind of find our place in our Bibles. Um, but it was actually written as a letter that was circulated around to churches in the area, um, in this case, Asia Minor. And so um, this was written as a letter. And with that in mind, let's review the last topic um, that we went over this past week and over the past few weeks. Uh, it, was, it was about being holy. And this was really uh, a fun thing to go through at the same time because in youth, um, we were going through a uh, series that all centered around being holy for about a month while we were learning about it here in our adult service. And uh, does anybody know what the word holy means? Set apart. Exactly. Thank you, guys. And um, does anybody know what uh, the word is for the process of becoming more holy, of becoming more set apart over your walk as a Christian? Sanctification. Awesome. Yes. And so um, we are called to be sanctified. We're called to go through that lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Right? And in the passages leading up to this chapter, Peter is telling the church just how essential it is to be holy because God is holy. And, um, but, but how do we become set apart? How is it that we become holy? What steps can we take? And, um, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up in this. And Peter goes on to answer those. And um, I'm going to play a short video for you guys, and we're going to get into our sermon here. If it works for this service. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
So uh, that video is titled, A Week in the Life of a Neglected Bible. And how many of us have done that before? I know that I've been there before. Your Bible's just sat there for the whole week. It's the only thing in that video that you see that's really unmoving, unchanged. Everything else is moving around. Life is moving around it. But that Bible stays exactly fixed. Um, what we're going to do this uh, today is take a look right now into verse 2 of this passage. It says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into sal- salvation. See, if you and I are not reading our Bible on a regular basis, we'll never know its truth, and we'll never grow into that truth. Um, I wanted to start off with a couple of stats for you guys. If you were here for my last sermon, you know that's something that I like to do, and um, I think it probably comes from watching a lot of ESPN, keeping up on sports. and It's fun, a little annoying. Steelers keep losing, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, we're looking at a, uh, Barna survey that I had found. Um, it said that 82% of those that they had surveyed thought that the phrase God helps those who help themselves is directly from the Bible. 63%, uh, could not name the four gospels and over half did not know that the book of Jonah is in the Bible. And another poll that I found that was a, a little funnier uh, was that 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> and uh, according to a survey of high school seniors, over 50% believe that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife, which, nope. <laughs> No, um, but all of this, it kind of, it reminds me of a story of this young new minister who had, uh, gotten to his church and he was asked, Hey, can you lead the boys Sunday school class? Uh, because the previous minister was not there. They were sick. They were out and he had to lead it. And so he goes in and he wants to find out just where are these boys at? What, what do they know about the Bible? And so they, he walks in and he says, Hey guys, who knocked down the wall of Jericho? And there is an uproar. All the boys start going, it wasn't me. I didn't knock it down. I, I didn't knock it down. And so this young minister, he's just dismayed. He's like, oh, my goodness, what what is going on? These kids don't know anything. And he goes into the board meeting and he's like talking to the elders. He says, hey, the, the kids don't even know who knocked down the wall of Jericho. And one of the elders, a, a seasoned man, um, comes up and he says, Pastor, I've known these boys since they were little. I, they're good boys. If they say they don't know who knocked down the wall, let's just get it out of the uh, building fund and build them back up and let's just let it go with that. <laughs> um, Bible illiteracy. Or, yeah, Bible, biblical illiteracy. Um, just reading and trying to under, understand our Bible needs to be one of our top priorities. And... A lot of us struggle with this, right? I know for me, one of the biggest struggles is reading the Bible, uh, not just for work, right? I, I'm making my sermon every week. I'm going through and studying up so that way I have the right word to give to a student or a right word um, to speak up on, on the pulpit. But how many times do I sit down and just read the Bible because it's what God wants me to do? That's where the challenge comes in for me. And I know that for a lot of us, it's a challenge just to even pick it up every week because we got a lot going on in our lives, right? But there is no excuse for us. 
And, and, and it's not like we don't have access to the Bible. The average American, uh, Christian or not, owns at least three Bibles. And even those uh, who don't have one in the home have access to the Bible on these things called smartphones. You can get it for free. We have the access, but it doesn't always play out into us reading our Bible. And so uh, there is no way to please and honor Jesus if we're not drinking from our Bibles on a daily basis. And I want to give you guys kind of a summary statement of everything that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we won't grow unless we get into the word. So let's go ahead and take a look back there at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And let's focus in first on that uh, second verse. Uh, like newborn infants long for pure sp- spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. The word desire that we see there is a command from uh, a root word, which means to burn or to crave. And it's expressed in this eager action. It's not like uh, the feeling that you get at the end of the day where you're like, ah, I could go for a snack before dinner. I'm having a little bit of a craving. It's like I'm up at five. I got to get to work. I got to get the kids to school. I got to get the dogs in the cage and get them out to go to the bathroom. And I got all these things going on in the morning. I need my cup of coffee, right? How many of you guys have been there? I know that I am there all the time. I don't even have kids and I'm there. So that ought to tell you something. Uh, You need that cup of coffee. And just like you need that cup of coffee in the morning to get you going, that's how we should crave after the word. Um, it's translated as greatly desiring that same word in second Timothy one, four. See, you and I have to make a deliberate decision to deeply desire the word of God. It has to be intentional because it won't happen automatically. See, the, the desire to read doesn't come to me naturally. I, uh, I read a lot when I was younger and then I discovered these things called audiobooks and podcasts and Netflix and Hulu and this visual stimulation and hearing things. That, that's more my speed now because I would rather listen to it than actually sit down and read it. Um, it doesn't come to me automatically. And I know for a lot of people, reading just is not something that you want to go. You're like, yeah, I want to get home so I can read. Um, it's just not automatic all the time. Uh, and I should point out here that in this passage, the phrase newborn infants that you see, it doesn't necessarily mean that Paul, or sorry, Peter's readers were, uh, brand new in their faith. Uh, in this context, milk doesn't refer to the basic and elementary teaching, uh, do, as it does in Hebrews 5, 12 through 13. Uh, and in that passage, meat uh, is contrasted with milk as like milk is, hey, this is where you're starting. These are the, the easier things. And then you grow up into understanding these harder concepts as you become more mature in your uh, walk with God. But here, Peter is simply saying that all believers are going to long for the word with the same kind of intensity as a baby does for milk. And if we grow, if we want to grow, we have to get the word of God in us. We have to crave it. Just like that newborn craves milk. And we have to long for the word of the Lord. Um, it, you know, the ba- a baby, when they are craving that milk, 
they let you know. I know just recently I was home visiting my in-laws and uh, our niece has uh, a new baby and we were riding in the car and everything seemed like it was hunky-dory. Everything was great. Baby was happy and smiling. And then all of a sudden just ah, screaming and did not stop until mom got to go take her home. Boy, babies can be loud and they let you know when they need it. And in that same way, we need to just want what God has for us, want what the Lord has for us. See, I love what Job said in 23:12. He said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. We need to treasure the word of God. It's so important to our lives as Christians. It's so important. It is uh, intrinsic to who we are. It's part of us. We need to make it so that this is the thing that we desire the most. Um, and we see two things about God's word. The first is that the word helps us to know. We're to desire that pure spiritual milk. And the word pure means uh, not deceitful, not watered down, uh, not adultered. And there's a lot of watered down preaching that we hear today. If you turn on the radio... If you turn on your TV and you listen to what people are speaking, um, there's a lot of things that are uh, sweet to the ear. I like to call it. It's sweet to the ear. It sounds like something that it's just, oh, hey, I feel good after that. But what was the content? What did I learn? See, the word of God is going to challenge you. It's going to push you from where you are to where God wants you to be. So if the word isn't pushing you, then you need to make sure that you're checking up on what people are saying because the word, when you are getting the real word of God, it's going to push you out of the complacency that we find ourselves in. Um, when people are preaching a watered-down message, uh, something that's just to make you feel good, uh, it's a toxic teaching. And no matter how good uh, it might make you feel, the sin, uh, if sin is minimized and the cross is marginalized, God's not going to be magnified. The kind of preaching that I'm talking about is that's poison. Jeremiah 6:14 says, "They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially saying peace peace, but there is no peace." There is no peace. We're going through as a country, as a world, as a nation some tough times. And unless we are being challenged by the word of God, unless we are listening to what God has for us and he's pushing us out, if we think everything's great, everyone's a Christian and we're all good, they'll, they'll find their way, then we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so we need to be in the word because the word is going to help us to know how to speak to people. It's going to help us to know ourselves by pointing out our sin, by correcting us, and by equipping us. And in short, it helps us to grow. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the word helps us to grow. And how does that fit into our church here, uh, Stafford County Christian Church? Uh, who remembers what our uh, new vision is? Who remembers the first step, the first arrow that we have on there? Does anybody remember what that is? Seek. Seek Jesus, right? And then what's the second arrow? A little louder. Lead, lead others. And then the third one, it starts with a D. 
deploy, deploy disciples. And so how does this fit into what we're doing here at Stafford County Christian Church? Um, our seeking Jesus, we're here, we're worshiping together. That's our Sunday morning service. We've all gotten together and we're praising the Lord and we're worshiping through our song and through listening to what God has for us. Um, and our second is to lead others. That's where we grow. That's where you're getting plugged into a life group and getting down into the word. See, our life groups, they're, they're fun because you get to hang out with people. You get to do life together. But while you're there, you are diving deep into the word and seeing what God has for you. And you're answering the questions of what you've gone through during the week because you have other people there that are going to speak to you. Iron's going to sharpen iron, and you guys are going to learn so much from that. That is where you're going to get to grow. So, uh, Thessalon- Second Thessalonians one three says, we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. See, that word grow that we see here, it means to add or increase. So first, we need to know ourselves, our sin. The Bible's going to help to correct us. It's going to help to equip us. And then once we know that, it's going to push us into growing into what God has for us, because now we know what he has. You can't know what God has for your life unless you are getting into the word. But the question is, how do we increase our appetite? How do we make it so that we want to get into the Bible? Because it's not always easy, right? There are a lot of things that happen in our lives that distract us, a lot of things that happen that pull us away, and that's what's important right now. This, This big thing that's happening in my life, right? How do we make it so that that desire to read the word of God is up here? And I want to tell you that uh, before you feel guilty uh, for not craving God's word, we're going to spend the rest of the time, the rest of our time here answering that how question. Um, The passage gives us three ways to cultivate a craving for the word. And we started in verse two. Uh, We're going to head back now to verse one and work our way all the way through verse three. So stay with me. We were in two. We're in one. We're going through. All right. So uh, number one is to remember your salvation. First Peter two, one starts with the words, uh, so or therefore. And that means that we kind of need to step back a little bit. And like I said at the beginning of uh, the sermon that, uh, you know, the Bible wasn't written with those chapters and verses. And so you have to read it as a whole. You have to read it in context. And so uh, those words indicate that we need to take a step back. And um, let's take a look at First Peter 1, 18 through 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Remember the price that you were bought with. God came down to earth and laid down his life for each and every one of you. And when you remember that, that's going to help you to want to get into his word, to do what he wants for you, because God wants the good for you doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that things are always going to just be thrown your way that are good. But he wants to grow you. And so when you remember that Jesus laid down his life for you, you're going to want to get into that word. That's going to be something that pushes you. Second is to remove sin from your life. And let's check out the rest of verse 1 there. Put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And if you look at these, you would notice that, Um, all of the 
growth stoppers, as I call them, um, are all relational sins. And it's possible that the reason that we're not craving God's word is because there's too much of the world in us. Uh, Think of it this way. If you're eating McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, Burger King, KFC, or even uh, the great Chick-fil-A every day, your body's going to fall apart, right? No matter how good that chicken sandwich is, how good it tastes, it's not great for you. And and let's uh, look at each one of these growth stoppers individually and see how they are something that would make the body fall apart. Uh, First is malice. And... That's the idea of having it in for somebody with this smoldering resentment. And the best definition that I've heard um, is that malice is congealed anger wrapped in an unforgiving spirit. Have you guys ever had that anger inside that just eats away at you? That you're just so angry at this person that you can't talk to them, you can't look at them. And when you walk past them, you're going like this. You're casting your eyes down because you don't want to have to look at them in their face That's what this is talking about, that kind of malice, that kind of hate. And then second is deceit. And and the picture that's painted here is catching with bait. Uh, And it refers to the deliberate uh, misleading of others. And um, as a fisherman, Peter really understood this because he understood about baiting because baiting with fish. Um, Hypocrisy is the third that we see here. And this comes from the uh, the word meaning to wear a mask. And it's the idea of pretending to be somebody that you're not. And the next that we see is envy. And uh, this is one of the seven deadly sins. And envy is not only wanting what someone else has, uh, but hating that person for having what you want. It goes beyond just saying, hey, I want, I want what that guy's got. It's really that anger that you have inside of, why did that person get that? Why did I not get that? If you're jealous about the success of others or happy at someone else's misfortune, this all fits into what envy is. And then slander. Um, This includes all kinds of unkind speech and literally means to run down someone, uh, especially behind their backs. And the sin of backbiting is something that's really prevalent among believers. Gossip. Talking behind people's back. It tears down not only your relationship with that other person, not only the relationship of the people that you are slandering to, but your relationship with God. It's really quite a list, isn't it? I I think that if you look down through this list, you would be challenged by at least one, if not all of these, uh, at some point in your life that you felt that. um, It's quite possible that the reason that we're stalled out spiritually is because there's some sin in our life that we haven't been willing to get to let go of. And uh, if you guys have your phone out or you have a piece of paper to write this down on, I would encourage you to do so. Um, it, your relational sins will affect your relational relationship with God. I'll say that again. Your relational sins will affect your relationship with God. The sin you're holding on uh, onto can sour you spiritually because that bitter spirit is going to get a hold of you. And uh, the way that we can think about um, and talk about other believers can and will short-circuit our spiritual growth. If we're going out and we're talking about people, like I said, that is not only hurting that person, not only hurting the people around you, but it is hurting your relationship with God. 
And we can't really say uh, that we love God if we're hating on our brothers and sisters, as it is so clearly stated in 1 John 4, 20 through 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that one, that he who loves God must love his brother also. See, in our verse here, the phrase put away, when it's saying to put away all of these things, uh, the malice, the deceit, all of that, the, the word, uh, uh, it, or that word is at the beginning of the phrase for emphasis. It's there because it wants to broadcast. And the meaning of that word um, was to take off soiled clothes. Um, it's like whenever your kid gets home from volleyball, soccer, basketball, and they stink. I know, they're in my area, so I, I know what they smell like. Um, <laughs> sometimes it gets a little rough, middle school boys, that's all I'll say. Um, but that's, that's what the, uh, imagery is here, that they're taking that off like it's a soiled, uh, like it's soiled clothing. And, um, this is an obedience issue. See, we're called to put away all, not just the one thing out of the ten things on that list that you're struggling with, not just the, the one thing that you think is the worst, but all, because those things sour us spiritually. We can't be passive. We can't be dismissive. We can't make excuses. See, Romans thirteen twelve says, Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Are you ready to junk the spiritual junk food that you've been consuming? There are two prayers that uh, come to my mind when I'm thinking of this that David used in Psalms that I think would be worth memorizing for anyone who uh, wants to really apply this. It's Psalms 19.13. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And Psalm 119.133. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin roll over me. So do you want to crave God's word. First, remember your salvation. Remember the price that was paid for you. Second, remove the sin from your life. Now, not all sin is going to be removed immediately. It's not something that you just, hey, I'm, I'm all, I'm done with sin, but it is a process daily of giving that over to God. Third, refocus on the graciousness of God. If you're still struggling to stay motivated in your uh, reading of the Bible, check out verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, the word here, if, is better translated uh, as since. So more literally, it's going to read, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. And this is uh, kind of a throwback to the first part of Psalms 34 Eight, uh, and Peter once again calls us to lock into that grace uh, that was given to us when we were saved. We need to get it into our heads that obeying God is better than sinning. The sweetness of sin, um, it, it does not negate the sourness that comes later from that sin. You know, sometimes when you have that anger, when you have that malice in your heart, it feels real good to be angry at somebody at first, Right? When you're mad at somebody, sometimes you want to be mad at them because they did wrong by you. And they should know that they did the wrong thing, right? But in the end, who did it hurt more? 
the person that you were mad at or yourself? Yourself. And it tears down that relationship that you have with God. See, it's impossible to grow in your relationship with God without knowing, uh, without growing in your relationship with God's word. We won't grow unless we get into God's word. So what does this all mean for us? What does this mean for what, what we need to do in our daily lives? And I like to look at the application of what we're doing. And I have some practical ways of putting this sermon into practice in your daily life. Number one, the most obvious of all, is to read the word. And even though it's the most obvious thing that you can get from this, it's not always the easiest. Like I said, there are a lot of things in our lives that come up that are distractions. Things that will pull us away from wanting to read our word. But this is the number one thing to start reading on a regular basis. And just some concrete steps that you can take is, uh, who here has heard of the Bible Gateway app? Have you guys ever heard of that? It's a really awesome resource, uh, something that I've used before. And it has these little uh, devotional uh, or reading uh, plans on there that you guys can use. Um, find something small. Start small and work your way up. It's not uh, a sprint. You don't have to read the whole Bible in one day. Start small. Pick one of those reading plans and start reading it. Um, and the more that you read, the more you're going to want to read. The Bible is interesting. There's a story about a bald man calling down two she-bears and mauling a whole bunch of kids. I mean, that's pretty crazy in and of itself. There is some cool stuff in the Bible, some really interesting things. Uh, one thing that I would suggest is if, if you're new to reading the word or new to being a Christian, reading the book of Mark. It's one of the Gospels. It's the most concise. Mark was a great writer. He put it all there. Plain text, this is it. This is what happened. Boom, boom, boom. You don't have a lot of big dialogue, a lot of uh, long, lengthy stories. It's like, this is what happened. This is what happened. It's action-packed. I would encourage you to start there. Second thing that we can do for application is to feed from the Word. So first we read from the Word, then we feed from the Word. Um, this is where plugging into that small group, like a life group, or men's Bible study, or women's Bible study, um, or we have a Sunday school class that's offered, that's what's going to help you to grow and to expand. Listen to the words of Jesus in John eight thirty seven. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. See, we got to help have the word finding its place in us. And so how does that happen? When we're with other believers and we're focusing in on the word and we're learning. Here are two dangerous statements that I sometimes hear people make. The first is, I know what the Bible says, but... Dot, dot, dot. James one twenty two says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What the Bible says, the Bible says... And sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's something that we don't want to hear because, again, it challenges us. It pushes us out of that comfort zone, right? But we have to do what it says. Second thing that I hear a lot is, um, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me, so I'm just going to do it. Um, Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We've died to sin. For everyone here who's given their lives to Jesus, we are dead 
to that sin. So sin no more. And these are things that you learn getting into your word, that you understand. The Christian walk is not something that's easy or something that uh, comes always naturally. We need to be in the word because it's going to tell us what to do. Human nature is so off course from what God has for us. We need to be in the word so we know what he wants for us. And so I would encourage you to crave God's word like that baby does for that milk. Because the Bible will help you to know and to grow. And if you're struggling in regard to this, remember your salvation. Remember the price that you were bought at. Remove that spiritual junk from your life, those things that you're holding on to, those sins that are driving you away from the Lord and making it harder for you to get into the word, harder for you to be able to listen to what he has for you. And refocus on the graciousness of God. He's a God who loves you and wants good for you. See, Peter, again, is quoting Psalm 34, 8 here. And when this verse ends with, Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If you have not yet been saved, it's time to trust in him right now. And know him by that personal experience. Have you taken refuge in God? Have you sought that relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you that if you have not yet, we're going to be in the back, myself and the elders. We would love to pray with you. If you are struggling with applying this to your life, with searching for God's word and craving it, see us in the back. We'll help you to find that reading plan. We'll help you to get focused in because the word is what's going to drive you forward. It's going to be what compels you and what pushes you out of where you are now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for laying down your life for us. Father, I ask that uh, as we go through this week, you would help us to crave your word and help us to apply what we've learned today to our lives because, God, it's so important that we understand who you are and what plan you have for our lives. We ask all these things in your precious name.